0: Hey friends, this is Linda and you're listening to Calling Water. Each week on our podcast, we look at a passage of scripture and ask ourselves two questions. What does it mean and what does it call us to do? In today's episode, it is good for us to be here. We're looking at the story of the transfiguration of Jesus in Luke chapter 9 and how God invites us to go beyond what is comfortable and safe to live out our calling in real life. Let's get started. I've heard that one of the telltale signs that you're getting old is that you absolutely love it when plans get canceled. And you know, I think they might be right. We've all had our fair share of canceling plans in the last two years, but a small, okay, maybe a big part of me was actually kind of relieved when plans fell through. As much as you look forward to going somewhere and connecting with people, Sometimes the best place to be is exactly where you are already, here. It requires no effort, it's comfortable, it's convenient, it's safe. And you know, you can all manage your social life however you'd like, but when it comes to your spiritual one, we can't just simply stick with what's comfortable and convenient unfortunately. We have to be willing to some extent to shoulder some discomfort in order to live for Christ. And I hope today's scripture challenges you to do just that. Our text in Luke chapter 9, verse 28 begins by telling us a specific amount of time has passed, eight days later. Now, what had happened eight days prior? If we scroll back a few verses within the same chapter, we would find out that eight days or so ago, Jesus had a very interesting conversation with the disciples. It wasn't a special event or anything like that, but the gospel writer is setting today's story in context so that the reader or listener would understand the full significance of today's Bible story, the transfiguration of Jesus. So, About a week before Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to this mountain that we'll read about in a few minutes, this is what happened. Jesus asked his disciples in Luke chapter 9, verse 18, who do the crowds say I am? And his disciples answered him in verse 19, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. Now, their answer was very indicative of the confusion about the identity of Jesus that had been going on. He was a prolific teacher and worker of miracles, the likes of which people had never seen. They had for sure heard tales of the signs and wonders that the prophets of old had done, so they willingly believed Jesus was possibly a resurrected prophet before even entertaining the idea that Jesus might be the savior, the Messiah that the people have been waiting for, for centuries. So Jesus asks his friends in verse 20, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And this makes me believe that Jesus never outright told them who he was. But after spending all this time beside him, Jesus invites the disciples to draw their own conclusion. And Peter responds correctly that Jesus is the Messiah. But after this glorious revelation, Jesus tells the disciples not to speak of this to anyone. Because the world was not yet ready for the kind of Messiah Jesus came to be. He continued speaking to them, telling them that he would suffer and die, and then be raised to life on the third day. Then he says in verses 23 to 24, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. By now, I'm sure the disciples were thoroughly confused. Peter's confession of Jesus as the Messiah was something they all resonated with. I'm of the opinion that all 12 of them truly believe that Jesus was sent by God to save the people of Israel. But their idea of a savior was very different than what Jesus seemed to be talking about here. Now, I'm sure they were so hyped about following Jesus at first. They left their families and careers behind and threw everything behind rallying for Jesus. And at the very least, they were sure Jesus would be some kind of revolutionary leader who would help overthrow the Roman government. But the last thing you want to hear from the face of this so-called revolution is that he will die. No, not that he might die for the cause, but that he will die. And for all intents and purposes, so will they. So now, about a week after this conversation takes place, Jesus, Peter, John, and James go up a mountain to pray. And what happens next? Verse 29 of today's text tells us, As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. In this one moment, Jesus, just for a second, sheds this veil of humanity and reveals his divinity. But that's not all. We find that Jesus is accompanied by two men in verses 30 to 31. Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, the disciples who were with Jesus were dozing off a little, but were startled awake to see Jesus flanked by none other, then Moses and Elijah. Peter immediately says in verse 33, "Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah." He did not know what he was saying. But as he was speaking, a cloud enveloped them and a voice spoke, we see in verse 35, "This is my son, whom I have chosen listen to him. Now in the other gospels, the voice says, whom I love. And this was none other than the voice of God. And right after this, the cloud, Moses, Elijah, they all disappear. And it was just Jesus, James, John, and Peter again. And then they decided to keep the story to themselves for the time being. So what does this all mean? First of all, the appearance of Elijah and Moses at the Transfiguration is interesting. A popular theory is that Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. So it was symbolic that Jesus was standing there with them, being the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. Another observation is that both Moses and Elijah had divine encounters atop a mountain, Moses when he was given the 10 commandments and Elijah when God spoke to him in a gentle whisper as prime examples. But I think it's more obvious than that. Remember that conversation that Jesus had with the disciples about who Jesus is? And They had been saying that some people thought that Jesus might be one of the prophets from back then who had been brought back to life. Well, this categorically debunks those theories. Because here is Jesus standing beside two of the greatest prophets who were strangely lifelike and the disciples could see that Jesus was neither Moses nor Elijah or anyone else other than what God's own voice claimed this is my son Jesus is God's son now the voice of God spoke once more before in the Gospels and that was during Jesus' baptism and they were mostly the same words this is my son whom I love but this listen to him clause is new Now, God spoke as soon as Peter was asking Jesus to consider the notion of just staying on this mountain. God was telling Peter and friends to really listen to what Jesus was saying. The thing is, Peter had been listening. The Bible tells us he did not know what he was saying, but I think to a certain extent, he knew exactly what he was saying. He knew what awaited them when they went down the mountain. A week ago, he found out that his teacher and friend would die some kind of tragic death. But here on this mountaintop, they could escape that fate. I mean, somehow Moses and Elijah had reappeared, prophets who had been long deceased. So anything was possible. Let's just stay here, Jesus. It is good for us to be here. Peter, James, and John were afraid to face the harsh reality of Jesus's words. They had accepted the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, and they even accepted the fact that Jesus must die, but the fear came from not believing the last part of Jesus's words, that he will rise again. Because in their mind's eye, death was final. By saying, listen to him, listen to Jesus, and even showing them a glimpse of an embodied Moses and Elijah, God was demonstrating that resurrection is possible with God and that Jesus' purpose on earth was what he said it would be. So what might this transfiguration story call us to do? Well, the transfiguration is not about us at all. It's all about Jesus, the Son of God, and the fullness of His own glory. We are to believe, like the disciples did in that moment, that Jesus is the Messiah who came to earth to die for the sins of the world and rose again on the third day. Even so, I do want to point our attention to something Peter says in our text, which is the title of this episode. His response to Jesus' transfiguration and the appearance of Moses and Elijah was, It is good for us to be here. It is good for us to be here. Now, Peter loved Jesus. He did not want Jesus to have to suffer the way that he had described he would. And I'm sure he himself didn't want to suffer either. But he was not called by Jesus to Bask atop a mountain. He was called to be a fisher of people and to eventually go into all the world to spread the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. Much like we are not called to just be here. And by here, I don't even mean a physical place. I'm referring to whatever is your comfort zone, your safety net, the place where. You are meeting with God and you are being spiritually fed, but we're not doing much else to transfer our knowledge and experience to others. So what can we do to step outside of here and share God's love? It begins with our own transformation. Notice I said transformation and not transfiguration because transfiguration is a phenomenon that belongs to Christ alone. Because transfiguration means to change in appearance, but not in essence. Christ appeared in a different form to the disciples, but his identity and his person had not changed at all. He was the Messiah before the transfiguration, and he was still the Messiah afterwards. However, as believers, our job is not to be transfigured, it is to be transformed. Now, there was no change in appearance for the disciples when they came down from the mountain, but they had been transformed by this newfound truth. They now understood at least partially who exactly Jesus was and why the path he was on was the one willed by the Father. They fell in line with Jesus' mission, and after the resurrection of Jesus, they became the forerunners of the early church, also bearing their respective crosses to the very end, as Jesus had told them they would. You know, Romans 12, too reminds us that we need to stop conforming to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to renew our minds about what it means to be a follower of God. We need to reevaluate what we mean when we say we love our neighbors and our enemies. We need to rethink who we make an effort to include in the church and who we also make an effort to exclude. We need to reframe what it means to live for God when there is nothing in our lives that we're willing to give up so that we may have a closer relationship with God. So friends, it is good for us to be here in this little podcast community and studying God's word together. It is. But let's not just stay here. Let's reach out and share the things we're learning with others. Let's put into practice the things God is placing on our hearts as we listen to his words. Let's renew our minds and refocus our lives and center it back on our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, the world around us grows scarier by the moment with war, disease and other demonstrations of human frailty. But it's even scarier to think about going out into this darkness and living for you the way you desire. So give us the courage to leave the mountaintop, to take the light you have given us and radiate it wherever we may go. Help us not to be afraid to deny ourselves and pick up our crosses, whatever they may be. Because we know the truth about who you are, may we go from here as transformed people and truly share the love you have already shown us in full. In Jesus' name, Amen.